You're listening to audio recorded at Mount Air First Christian Church. For more resources or to contact us, look us up at www.mountairfirstchristianchurch.org. So Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The grass withers, the flower fades, and the word of our God stands forever. Our theme this morning is a topic that is already been promoted in the letter to the church at Colossae. If you look back with me, if you've got your Bible open there, you can look back at chapter 1, verse 10, where you see this same idea coming to us. Uh, verse 9, Paul is talking about his prayer. Colossians 1, 9, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him in everything, abounding in every good work, bearing fruit in every good work. I memorize it in different translations. It says bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This idea of walking, that just as you have seen Christ, just as you have received him, you would walk in him. He's mentioned this language of the Christian life as a walk. It's common vernacular in the letters of Paul to speak this way, that the Christian life is a, is a walk. It's something you walk out. Um, to Paul, this is a certain lifestyle. To follow someone in their pattern of teaching is to walk after them. This had a very real, I mean, I know that we, we kind of talk this way anyway, don't we? We, we kind of say, you know, you can talk the talk, but do you walk the walk? I mean, and we have this, this idea of how you walk is how you conduct yourself. But it would have been very specific in the Gospels. Jesus is calling people all the time, the disciples, to follow him, to walk after him. And there's this very clear idea that as Jesus went, they were to walk after him. And there's this idea of the Christian life is a walk. It is a walk. It is following our Savior. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, that we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, saying, says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And you can go home and do a search with your concordance and see all the places where this language of the Christian life as a walk and a walk that is worthy of the Lord, to walk in a manner that is pleasing to him. In fact, Paul uses this term, it's kind of interesting, in every chapter, he didn't write it with chapters, but we have it in chapters now so we can find it easier. But in every chapter now that we have in the book of Colossians, Paul calls back to this idea of walking. So we saw it there in 1.10, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
In our text for this morning, verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You can flip over to three, chapter 3, verse 7, talking about uh, sin. Talking, We'll get to there in a few weeks, but talking about sins to put to death. It says, verse 6, On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked. You lived in these things. In these, in these sins, you too once walked. And then later on in chapter 4, verse 5, he says, uh, in regards to our conduct with, the, with people uh, outside of the church, says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. There's this constant kind of theme of being careful and mindful of the way you walk, of the way you live your life. That there is to be... For the Christian, a very specific, certain, obvious kind of walk. You are to walk in a certain way. And this use of this term is communicating to us the way that we are to live. It is our walk. Paul says, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord in our text for this morning, so walk in him. Here Paul is teaching, as one commentator says, that receiving of christ this idea he's talking about here this idea of receiving christ receiving christ is intended to lead onto a worthy walk in the paths of righteousness that receiving of christ is to produce in the person who has received christ a certain kind of walk there is something that is to be walked out because of this belief that you have held Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. I'll read it for you here, but you can look it up if you want to. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 says this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live, to walk, to live, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Not only does this receiving of Christ produce a certain walk not only should it produce a certain walk when you've received christ it should produce in us a zealousness to walk as christ would have us walk just as you've received him so walk in him and titus is talking about this letter to titus is this reality that you are to be zealous that what god has done produces in you a real desire and earnestness to walk in a way that christ has a God has for us to walk but we make a, an important point here first Christianity first and foremost Christianity is not about what you do Christianity is not about what you do it is about what you believe Christianity is not about what you do it is about what you believe this is the 
this is the, the first and foremost, the basic reality of Christianity. We do not lift up to God our good behaviors. We do not try to impress God with, see all, see all the great things I've done, and, and a sort of a balancing out of the scales of, oh, my good deeds have outweighed my bad deeds, and so therefore God must be okay with me. Christianity is not about what you have done, because we know, because of the depravity of mankind, everything you've done is tainted with sin. Everything we've done on our own strength is, has, has a corruption upon it. And so there's nothing righteous that we have done. Christianity is not primarily... If, if Christianity were to be about what we have done, we all stand condemned and under the wrath of God. Christianity, though, is about belief. It is about trusting in Christ. Paul says to the Philippian jailer in, verse, in, in Acts chapter 16... 16 I have my notes, Philippians chapter 16. There's no 16th chapter in Philippians. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Paul says to the Philippian jailer, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your whole household, he tells the Philippian jailer. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say go do these things. He says believe. Christianity is about belief. We mentioned this verse last week, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Forgiveness comes about by this understanding, this, this message, this gospel, this receiving of truth about Jesus, who he is and what he has done. Confessing yourself as a sinner, admitting that you deserve God's justice, but that Christ took it for you on the cross. He bore the punishment sinners deserve so that every one of us in this room this morning, having no be forgiven and reconciled. Christianity is not about what you do. It is about what you believe. It is not about by God, through Jesus, given by the Holy Spirit. That is the central message of the Christianity. Yes and amen. Christianity is not about what you do, but what Christ has done for you. Central truth to the gospel. The thief on the cross rejoices that Christianity is not about what you do, but in believing what has been done. Because he's hanging on the cross. His death is imminent. He has no good deeds he can perform at this point. But he can look to Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Understand who Christ is and what he has done. And hear from Christ. Sure, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Christianity is not about what you do, but what has been done for you. And so, because that is the truth, Paul would go on to say, knowing what has been done for you, now go and do that, that Christianity is about believing this, this body of truth, but that it does then produce a walk. It does then produce a certain kind of living. Knowing what has been done, now go and do. Walk out in the light of what has been walked through for you. Because we could bring up at this point the epistle of James, right? Which tells us that faith without works is dead. Uh, if you if you say you believe but you have nothing to show for it, do you really have faith? That's kind of James's 
whole argument. People try to say James and Paul disagree, but they, they don't. They, they're not understanding what, what they're both getting at. They're both getting at the same reality that Paul is getting at here. And James is getting at by saying that faith without works is dead. Everything for salvation has been done by Christ. Faith alone in that work is sufficient to save you. But as Luther is quoted as saying, in various ways he said it in German, so I can't quote him exactly, but that we believe that we are saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. We are saved by faith alone, but that faith, it never is alone. That faith has, has a walking out that occurs because of it. It always comes with a walk. A walk in him. Do not reduce your Christianity down to just a set of affirmations you consent to in your head. Paul is telling the church at Colossae. He's telling you. He's telling me. That just as we receive this truth about Christ, so walk, so live in light of who Christ is. One commentator I read put it this way. I got it on your screen. Belief that does not have an impact on one's behavior is useless. It's not real. That's kind of the James message coming out there. Faith that doesn't produce a fruit, faith without works is dead. It's what is it really about? Belief that does not have an impact on one's behavior is useless. It is useless. Paul gives us then three ways that this, that this happens. We, we're talking about the first one here is this receiving of who Christ is. We, we have that vernacular in our language, in our kind of conversation today. We talk about receiving Christ as Savior. You know, you'll hear people say things, you know, have you received Christ as Savior? And we kind of mean like a, a moment in, in your history where you, um, well, in Baptist circles, like have you ever walked the aisle or... Uh, in more liturgical settings, have you gone through confirmation classes? Or uh, some people would say, you know, have you had a moment of baptism? Would you do receive Christ Jesus? And that's kind of what we mean by our language. But, but Paul uses that, that word differently. This idea of receiving, it's, it's brought up like in 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, um, For that which I received, I also passed on to you. He's, and he's, that Christ Jesus died, you know, was died on the third day according to the scriptures. Uh, that that whole message there that he has in First Corinthians fifteen, it's a body of truth. When he's talking about receiving Christ, he's not talking about a particular moment of time. He's talking about this this body of truth. All we've discussed about in the first chapter of Colossians: the divinity of Christ, His supremacy, His authority over all things, His lordship. And when Paul says this receiving, just as you received Christ Jesus, he's meaning this, this worldview, this, this larger body of reality of the Christ who was at the beginning before all things, who then redeems all things through his work on the cross. As you've received this, this message, this truth about Jesus, live in it. And you can see how that changes the, what we mean by a walk, because it isn't talking just about the idea of, of just Jesus died to forgive me of my sins. So therefore, thank you very much. I'm glad to be forgiven of my sins. Now I can go live and do whatever I want. It, we can talk about that some more. But, but you know, you get what I'm saying. It's, it's not just receiving this one isolated doctrine. It's receiving this truth. Jesus is supreme. He's the Lord. 
And so then if that's true, if you've really received him in that way, it's going to impact the way that you do everything that you do. So just as you've received him, walk in him. But also he talks about it in this language of being rooted and built up. And thirdly, he talks about being established in the faith just as you've been taught. But he's talking, secondly, about this being rooted and built up. And it's important because there's this dual reality of what's going on in the Christian life. The walk of the Christian is not just one of digging deeper roots and never growing up. Like just uh, somehow sitting around and getting all kinds of head knowledge and learning all sorts of doctrine, learning all sorts of truth about Jesus that never actually makes you live any different. That's, that's not the walk of a Christian. It's not just going, building roots and with no growth. And it's also not growing a bunch of, uh, trying to build up a bunch of fruit and never having any real, real root. So I'm not usually a prop guy, but I brought a prop this morning. I picked some carrots. We're getting kind of picked a picked carrot out of my garden this morning. I'm not sure how well this illustration actually works, but we're gonna give it a shot. So I picked a, a carrot out of my garden this morning, and um, you look at the size of this. This is what's built up. And you think, boy, that's a. I mean, I walk out and think, boy, that's a healthy carrot. Look at that thing. You know, and you can't see it. It's down on the ground. But I walk out there, and I got we got tons of these, don't we, kids? Got tons of these carrots back there in our backyard. How big would you guess this root is? Of this carrot with this big of a top. It was, you think it's a pretty big carrot, isn't it? That's how big my carrot is. I, I got, I got, this, this is how big they grow. Look at this, they grow huge in my, I got all of this fruit, all this building up, and I've got no growth down. And I, I don't know, I mean, I, I partially just wanted to make fun of my carrot, uh, my carrot growing expertise. This, I wish Lana was here because she could tell me what I'm doing wrong, I'm certain. Too much, too much nitrogen. Okay, well, see, there you go. See, I thought it was not enough. I don't know. But anyway, that's too much science. I'm just talking about the ridiculousness. But I, I, as I was thinking about this, I don't know. There's, there's a, I think there might be an analogy here. Of we, we, we have all of this work at taught to put on a good display of, boy, we're healthy. Boy, we're growing. Aren't we impressive? Yeah, I'm happy. Oh, you know, things are great. But the truth is, this is about all the more pleased we really are. This is about all the more root we actually have. And the Christian life is, both of these are to be going on. Great growth, understanding of the gospel, digging into who Jesus is and all that he's done for you, and, and lots of, of healthy growth out of, out of, as a result of the digging down of the roots. How many... Put on a happy face, are nice to people, are generous, especially when others are watching. Pray loudly when others are there to hear us. How many uh, are encouraging and put on that helpful face as long as there's someone to make sure they can see how good they are doing this. But only do so because they think that they should, but they have no real root pushing that sort of behavior. Their walk is sort of a, a, a you know, a... a, a you know, a mirage, and there's no real root. In the end, that's a false fruit. That's that's looking like this ridiculous carrot. But I think I think the other side can be true as well. How many are sure to affirm all the good truths about Jesus? To show up at church, to read your Bible, to learn to sing great hymns of God, 
and then to walk out the door and have no real walk that gives any sort of evidence to the truths that you hold. Both, both of these are, are not the walk of the Christian. We are to be rooted and built up, going deep in our joy in the gospel, but then actually producing something. Does your knowledge that you should love your neighbor actually produce love for your neighbor? I mean, we, we use that neighbor like a, an abstract term. But what if neighbor actually means your neighbor, like the person that lives beside you? What if that's what that means? That love for neighbor actually means not some hypothetical abstract neighbor out there, but no, your real neighbor, like the person beside you. And that does your, does your knowledge, does your admitting, does your understanding of that truth actually impact that you, that you really do love your neighbor? Does the knowledge that you should forgive as you have been forgiven, there's a truth to root yourself in. Just as God and Christ has loved you and forgiven you, you should go and forgive others. We pray in our Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. Excuse me, that went back to Methodism there. Forgive us our sins, even as we forgive those who sin against us. Okay, we have that abstract, we have that root, we have that idea, but does that actually produce forgiveness in your life? Are you being rooted and built up? Is it going deep and actually showing something? Does the knowledge that you have been loved when you didn't deserve it provoke actual love? For someone who doesn't deserve it? Are you being rooted and built up? As one who has received the truth of Christ, walking in the light of that truth doesn't mean moving beyond who Christ is. It's going deeper. It's rooting ourselves deeper into the gospel, into the truth of who he is, and building upon it. And that's, I mean, we can see that also from all these analogies work together. But he's talking about being established in the faith that you were taught. This established, this being strengthened in this faith that you have been taught. There's a truth that has been affirmed and relied upon. Christ, who he is and all that he has done. And Paul is saying for us to be strengthened and established in that truth. And that to strengthen yourself in that truth isn't to not bear fruit. You do both of them at the same time. You dig yourself deep into the roots of who Christ is, who God is, the world that he has made, the reality of our sinfulness and our separation from him, what Christ has done, having that blow your mind over and over again, that as I go out and, and sin fresh every day, his mercies are new every morning, that as I come and confess my sins, 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You dig yourself deeper and deeper into that root, and then you go out and you grow in it, you build up upon it, you, you continue, you persevere, you are established just as you have been taught. Not moving past or beyond that truth, but established and strengthened in it. This is going to become important because coming up in the next few verses in this next chapter, the rest of this chapter, He's going to talk about all the false teaching that's coming towards the church of Colossae and all of these ideas and philosophies and, and, you know, just sort of religions that are coming at them to try to say, okay, you've got Jesus now move on. Paul saying, no, you just, you root yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into the joy that is in Christ and you walk in it and you root yourself and you walk in it. 
You're rooted and built up. You're established in the truth that you've been taught. Just as you've received it, you now walk it out. Justification is, is often described as um, you're standing before the judge. You're at the, at the bar and you're at, you're, you're at the table. You're on, you're on trial and you're before the judge and you know you're guilty of the crime. And, and justification is the judge standing before you and, 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 and acquitting you saying not guilty you know you are guilty of the crime and you hear instead from the judge a pronouncement of not guilty justification is this legal declaration of not guilty of freedom from your sins it's incredible news this is the declaration of the gospel those who deserve the punishment and the penalty are forgiven of their sins this is what the truth of what christ has done for us that's something you want to sink your roots deep into. Not guilty. Forgiven. Adoption, however. Sanctification. We've got that image, right? You, you understand how that... You, we all know the courtroom. The judge. Not guilty. Adoption. Sanctification. Growth and godliness is when that same judge who forgave you walks down off the bench and says, Okay, now you're going to come home and live with me. That's, that's, that's what adoption, that's what sanctification is. That's when this judge walks over to you, puts his arm around you, and tells you that now you are going to come and live with him. He is making his home your home, and you will walk with him now. The judge has forgiven you. Root yourself deep in that joy, in the joy of that reality, in this thankfulness, abounding in thanksgiving, knowing that that same judge who has quitted you has now come down and said, now walk with me. Come live with me. Both of those truths hitting home for you. This is the glorious reality of the gospel that we root ourselves into, that we build upon that we establish and strengthen ourselves in, and that we walk in with incredible thankfulness. Just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him. What does this look like on the ground? Is there a conversation that God has been pushing you toward? Someone that you know, that you love, that you care for, that you know is struggling? Maybe you know is in sin. Maybe you know is, is, is depressed or has hurt or has unforgiveness. Maybe you have unforgiveness toward them. Maybe you need to apologize. Is there a conversation that God has been pushing you toward? Rooted and built up living looks like you go and you have that conversation. You are faithful, rooted and built up. Is there a sin that God has commanded you to mortify, to kill? Is there a sin that God has said, this is sin, you should stop it? Well, being rooted and built up is working to kill that. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live, Romans 8 tells us. Putting to death that sin. What does it look like on the ground? Is there forgiveness that you should give? Being rooted and built up is remembering the forgiveness that has been given to you and then actually walking in forgiveness. Actually walking it out. Is there an idol that you need to slay some sort of dream, some sort of, oh, I'll be happy when, or if only this thing would happen, then I would have satisfaction. That's an idol. That's, that's putting something on a pedestal where only God belongs. 
No one, no God, no idol should compete with him. Is there an idol you need to slay? Walking it out is, is slaying that idol. Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. You do not go at it alone. It is the very truth of the gospel that you've received that is the gospel that you walk in. Christ has purchased you with his very own blood, not to desert you, but to make you family, to make you his own, to strengthen you, to be with you, to point out with you as you're walking now with this judge who has forgiven you, as you're walking with this judge, and he says, this is something that needs to be fixed. You need to go and do that. You need to fix it. You need to repent of this sin. You need to have this conversation. You need to be faithful in this area. As you, go, as you go and walk with this judge, he is there. The Holy Spirit is there strengthening you. He has made you his family. Just as you have received him, walk in it. Walk in it. Not as some concept we keep in our heads, truths we affirm, but that that we are rooted into and that we walk out. Rejoice in his mercy and, and his grace. Turn from what kills and walk with him just as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk in him, rooted and built up, established in the truth that you have been taught and abounding with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning to honor you in this way. Help us, God, to sink our roots deep into the good news of the gospel. Every one of us in this morning, needful again every day of the good news that all of our failings, let's be honest, all of our sin throughout this week, got to pray that it would bring us true grief, that it would bring in us true repentance, so that we might really know the joy that it is to be delivered from our sin. And as we rejoice, as we are abounding in thanksgiving for your grace and your mercy, give us your Holy Spirit, Father, that we might walk in a manner worthy of you. Just as we have received Christ, we would walk in him, rooted and built up, established in the faith we have been taught. Do that work in our hearts, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.